I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. In today's episode, no specific guest, but an activity. So today we have a deep dive, a film deep dive, that is, into Interstellar. So me, Joe, and Jordan, very common guests on the show, we all sat down and we watched the movie together. We wrote notes while doing it. And then we had a discussion about the themes, the storytelling, the design, everything about it and had a really open-ended discussion about everything we could think of that was worth talking about basically and um that's kind of with the new philosophy that i've kind of been developing i'm taking a mindset course courtesy of compete to create spearheaded by pete carroll and michael gervais and the core philosophy of feeding curiosity at least as the way i see it right now is to think question and synthesize And so this is the first time I've ever said out loud. It says it all over the website now, but I really think that's the core of what this is. So I hope that's what this stirs you guys to do because the stories we create as humans and things like that is they, they are microcosms into how we can function and it's experiments into understanding how we work in the world, basically. So with that, everyone, please enjoy this deep dive into Interstellar. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode, and today's episode is a little bit different. So we decided to watch Interstellar and do a deep dive. So we've done one of these before with the uh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Um, I that one. Yeah. That was dope. So we kind of, yeah, it was really good for the, like, a psychological type thing. So if you want to, like, listen to a different type of podcast, we did that one, that was, like, episode number four, I believe. Um, but this one we kind of all... Watched it together this time around, and then we took notes as we were watching the movie. So I don't know if we want to start with just, like, w- like the basic plot structure and then just go through points that we brought up. Well, I think first we should make a point to say that if you haven't seen the movie... Spoiler. Yeah. First off, spoiler. <laughs> so, yeah. Secondly, go watch the movie and then come back because... And secondly, be what really the hell? It's like 2014. It came out four y- years ago. Yeah. So, shame on you. Yes, first of all. Step one, shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. First, shame yourself, and then go and watch and then, the movie, yeah. and then come and back and listen to this again. <laughs> then shame yourself a little more, and then listen. <laughs> okay, so starting point. Uh, so basically, the movie what it's about is the world is ending, right? Um, there's like a mass, um, what would you call it? Food shortage. Yeah, there's like a crop disease. Yeah. Called, they call it the blight, and it's like oh, I didn't so- catch that. selectively. It just evolves from one species of food to another. So it doesn't grow anymore, basically. Yeah, it just is a parasitic thing. And it's not really fleshed out a whole ton. It's just kind of put as background to kind of build the... Tension. Yeah, Yeah. basically tension of the whole story of, like, why you even need to go to space and basically never come back. 
probably. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So jumping forward, then they get the protagonist, <coughs> Cooper, <clears throat> to go on a journey to go find new planets for humans to inhabit. And that's pretty much like the outlying plot. Yeah, the, the, the bare bones of the plot. Yeah. Um, and then they do some really cool, interesting stuff with the main character, Cooper. He, um, he's like from the before times, like before all of this crop shortages and stuff. He was a NASA pilot right. prior to, but now he's a farmer. And you kind of get the sense that he's like frustrated yeah. by the turn of events. Yeah, like that's not what he wants to do. It's more what he has to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like there's that... The scene with the school I thought was really interesting where they're changing history, um, interpret reinterpreting oh, history yeah. where they said, oh yeah, the Mar the moon landings never happened. And he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. He's like, that's not a thing. He's like, I'm not going along with this. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting uh, thing. I kind of wrote a little, not a, like a section about it, but it's like the limiting education because it's like, well, we don't need, because they, they, they specifically said like, we don't need engineers anymore. We need farmers. Because they're like already tracking so you his You can side. see this kind of propaganda, like, <clears throat> how would you say, seeping into the school system in order to promote a certain number of, or in order to encourage people not to go into that kind of engineering space stuff, but instead to go into farming and whatever. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> like, a, it's just mass conservation, and it looks like they're trying to get them young to be yeah. like, yeah, this is what we need from people. And you can kind of see that because that's what happened to Cooper. Like, yeah. at some point in his life, whether he dropped out of NASA, they don't really specify, or they yeah. didn't miss that part. Or they had layoffs or something or whatever. Yeah. But it's more like people need to hold their own. Like, they even have a part where they go to a baseball game. Yeah, that was before, an interesting, like, like change in, uh, like, society. Because yeah. they're playing with the New York... It's the New York Nankies, and they're playing in, like, uh, like a, a little eight-year-old football yeah. <laughs> field. It's, like, really watered down you can see how little they care about those kind of or things. how much money they have available to yeah. make things as like you know grandiose yeah. <laughs> that we have it today it really shows the difference right so they do a real good job of kind of setting the scene mm -hmm. you know what i mean and getting you to feel like oh so the stuff that we mostly value they like don't have the luxury to care about. Like, even NASA, they said NASA, they had to cut funding for NASA, and it, like, went out. Well, they said, like, the entire government really doesn't exist anymore, kind of. Yeah. Is what it, what it seemed like. They, well, at least there's no, they said there's no wars anymore. Yeah. But they alluded to a big war about, um, that had happened beforehand, which is kind of interesting. Uh, like, I they talk about how the, the, what's his, um... What's that actor's name? I keep forgetting. Michael Caine? Yeah, Michael Caine's character was fired from NASA because he refused to drop bombs oh. on people from the stratosphere. So I don't think oh. that, was, that wasn't a war they were referring to. At least I don't think. <clears throat> I think they were saying to kill off a lot of people so they can so the food would stretch. You know what I mean? Like oh, they're trying right. to thin the population. And he was like, we can't just kill all those people. At least that's what I thought they were speaking of. But I'm at a... That's interesting. Um, missed a key point. Either way. They also said that there aren't wars anymore, and that I mean, nobody's fighting anybody, and that everyone's just you know starving, which I think is probably to not me it bad feels like the, it's yeah, yeah. it's because of the that's from the limited resources. Like when you don't know if you're gonna have enough food to survive for the next year, yeah, you can't really be thinking about you know geopolitical yeah. things or whatever that. Well, I think it would, <clears throat> in reality, more violence would erupt because more people are getting more desperate for 
less resources. Yeah. So the tension yeah. to acquire those resources continues to increase. Yeah. Maybe, so I wonder how much thought went into that part. Yeah, I think it's kind of besides the point. Yeah. The story. <coughs> yeah, well, it might have. Well, who knows? So there's, you can either have this route where they like the backstory is super in depth, but they just leave out certain points because in the the part that they drop us in, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of times there'll be a movie, and then instead of doing a sequel, they do a prequel. Mm-hmm. It's because they want to explain the backstory. So I wonder if he did, uh, Christopher and Jonathan Nolan, if they did think about the backstory that in depth. If they were <clears throat> under the impression that maybe there was a lot of tension, but now it's like. At such a point that, like, if we don't work together, we're all going to die collectively. Because mm-hmm. they, they speak about humanity as, like, a whole. They don't say, like, oh, like, America needs to figure this out type thing. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. They, never, they never, like, isolate. Yeah, they never say, like, America or anything yeah. like that. They, they only say, say like, like NASA. Yeah. It's, like, the only, like, organizational yeah, entity. Right. It appears. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> you definitely get a sense that this is supposed to be a human endeavor, not yeah. a... American governmental one. Yeah. yeah yeah so maybe that's maybe it's like they wanted to show the scale the severity of the issue mm-hmm. and like everyone's in this or where y'all die type thing yeah um needless to say i think they did a good job of setting the scene like, like setting said. it up <laughs> for, for the you know what's at stake yeah um, i agree before the actual conflict starts yeah i, I feel like the, the the entire part that like takes place on Earth, so to speak, is like really, it's a really slow build, is what I would say. Cause yeah. it, it does a lot of detail showing and just yeah. kind of getting people in the frame of mind of like what's at stake here. Right. Cause then, like, it turns into, like, you know, overall the story is about humanity, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's about a father doing everything he can to set up the future for his kids. Right. You know, because like this is, this is like, there's like an underlying tone of fate to some degree. Where it's like, I was meant to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, where, where do we go that, from slow, there? that slow build-up that you're referring to, <clears throat> that's all of the first act yeah. of the movie. Um, and they do, what I like that they did is the exposition, like the explanation of things isn't so, like, in-your-face cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they go to, like, a, like a town meeting and the <clears throat> town people just say, oh, but we have no food. And it's just like a whole bunch of explanation <laughs> that's like so stupid. And like, doesn't yeah, come, you know like people, what about that thing that happened yeah, before with yeah. the war? <laughs> like, <laughs> like so, they wanted to drop bombs on us or yeah. something. Oh. <laughs> you, see, you see that in movies and stuff all the time. And it's so like, it's just so, it's, it's cringeworthy. Yeah, it's an easy way to explain things. So that's what I really liked how they did it because it's like they're setting the story, but then telling you all the information you need yeah. without it being obvious. So they do it in the, the sense of the, uh, it's like the house, what is turned into a museum at the end. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, they have clips of what I think. One it's of like them a is documentary. Like, yeah, it's like a documentary explaining what's going on. So it's one way they kind of explain stuff. Um, and then just in conversations, there's a line that, I forget his name, but the grandfather says to Cooper when he's going to go to the school at the beginning. And the grandfather was like, oh, she's single, so, you know, and he's like, and Cooper was like, well, what does that matter? And he goes, you have to pull your part repopulating the earth. Mm-hmm. He says something like that before he goes. So, like, even in that part, you can see, like, oh, so people are dying a lot. And that one line. You know yeah. I mean? right. and, um, the, and there's that 
that's the level of concern that everyone. Yeah, like dominated. people are just worried about having enough people left. Yeah. To just sustain humanity. Right. So it's weird. It's really so. I would really appreciated how they did that, and they didn't take the audience for granted or our knowledge for granted. I can say that we can put those pieces together. I mean, I've learned. I think I've watched this movie like three times, and it, there's still little details like that mm-hmm. that I haven't noticed yeah. until now. <laughs> and when you and when you do stuff like that, that's the that's the best part about it. Because each time you watch it, you pick up. Oh, I missed that last time. You know, you yeah, pick right. up on it. But if it's something that's so surface level, like we said, the town's meeting, what they just tell you. If you rewatch that movie, it's you're not going to gain. It's too on the else. nose. Yeah, it's just yeah. like here's all the information you need to know. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no mystery or fun to discovering it or anything, exactly. or nuance even. Yeah. So then I guess the next part to like start building in, so they you know building the set of like what's going on, then there's like this weird thing that doesn't make any sense. The, the what they call the anomaly or the ghost inside the house. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and so like, it, it, when I was watching it, like beginning, I was like, "This is weird." Like, this is like a sci-fi movie, but all of a sudden, there's like this thing that you can't explain. Yeah. And it really, it like almost doesn't fit, right? Initially. Initially. Without yeah. without spoiling anything. Yeah. A, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, this is strange. I mean, a lot of the movie is trying to get you to recognize the fact that there are still things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of like. Here's a ghost. We don't understand what this thing is. Yeah. That ghost is analogous to going into the unknown of space, that there's still all this space that we don't know, and the Mm -hmm. black hole that we don't know, and all these things. Right. But there is an The idea is that there's an explanation out there if you go find it. Well, yeah, it it would be like ghost in quotes, because that's just the term we use it, because we don't have a, you know, a good interpretation of it. Um... From there, I think they do a really good job of, like, changing up the scenery. Um, you know, because it's, like, there's three or four major sets, I guess you would call it. It's, like, the farm life, what NASA looks like, and then all the space stuff. And then, like, the specific stuff for the space. Like, the right, craft and right. things like that. So they do Little a really... Planet. Yeah, they, like, do a really good job of differentiating, like, the aesthetic of each area to give you a certain feeling... Yeah, that's yeah. like happening because like when you when they go to NASA like they finally like rediscover it or what the form of it it is, they really, it seems way you know, everything else felt very like behind the times you know reverted back to like Dust Bowl era nineteen twenties ish, and then they go to NASA and it's like oh yeah this is kind of like, where we're at today kind of still, you know and I was like hmm, it gets me thinking about just how they they they're setting up for the viewer to be able to interpret what's going on. Yeah. Because, like, where the rest of the world has stagnated, it's like, oh, everything else is just kind of here now. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, like... Concentrated, I guess. Yeah. Like, as the conflict rises, the scene or setting that they're in gets more, like, expansive. You know what I mean? Or, like, drastic. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess. like, as like as dramatic, the, I guess. Almost. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, whole, like, the first planet they make it to is just, like, holy shit. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. You know, when the big waves come in, it's, like, it's literally, like, the opposite of where he's from. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's, like, it just, like... Well, I mean, even just, like, them leaving, like, right, like, in a rocket ship and stuff like that, where they, like, as he's leaving the Earth, like, you just get this... It's, like, a complete change of scenery, right? Instead of just the grays and the greens and Mm -hmm. the... Or the browns and the greens of, like, the fields, you have, like, this rocket stuff and the metal and... Yeah. uh, And then you're just seeing the Earth, you know? Like, as it, like, expands away and stuff, like... This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love that nobody commented on the Earth. 
if so if you notice a lot it's like at least i think so a lot in a lot of movies when like they see like they leave but they're supposed to be astronauts so like oh it's so gorgeous you know what oh, I mean? yeah just stuff <laughs> like that but like it shows that one they have a bigger job at hand and they don't care mm-hmm. and two that they've done it before well at least cooper has I don't right. know about the other three. You know what I mean? So, like, he's seen it Yeah, but, and they're all scientists, yeah. too. So, they're not, like... Yeah. <clears throat> so, it's, like, it's so to the point, but it's still, like... It's more of, like... It feels, like, more like they, it's like they have a job to do kind of thing. Yeah. So, they're not worried about, like, this is what it looks like mm-hmm. until later on. Right. Yeah. You know? And it avoids that cliche. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Plus, I think it's... And this is, I think, something that Christopher Nolan does well. Which is he doesn't tell you that it's beautiful; he just shows it to you. Yeah, right. So you can figure it on your own. It's a movie. That's the whole point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You can look at the thing. It's a visual experience, you know. And uh, like the other part too that I have to say, they pay a lot of respects to is with the, the, thematicness of space, right? Because like anything that takes like if the camera's out in space and there should be sound, there is no sound. You know when they show like the jets of the engines of the different spaceships working, they're. They, like the clamps, like moving. Yeah, they just show it moving, but there's yeah. no sound because to to for there to be sound, there needs to be air. Right. And so it's really cool that they they paid homage to that because sure, it's it's more exciting to have sound, right? And mm-hmm. Star Wars is being a big example for anything with space. Yeah. But the Does in Star reality, Wars have sound. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but that's yeah, they okay. do. They they have a lot of sound effects and stuff. I think some of the stuff they removed it later on, but okay. for the most part, uh, it's one of the things that a lot of sci-fi has been starting to do with anything related to space is being true to the actual, you know, sound effects of the environment, yeah. you know, trying to make it give the feel. So it's kind of jarring for a lot of people, I would say, to like, you know, they're, they're, you're seeing like an explosion, all of a sudden it's just, you're just watching yeah. it on you're, screen. You're expecting a sound. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's really cool that they really do that is it that the sound waves can't move at all in the vacuum it there needs is no, air yeah there is it needs the air because air is molecules that are bumping into each other to, to propagate the wave okay I was like right, yeah, I'm just curious it's just a law of physics basically <laughs> there's nothing to move yeah I was just thinking what the mechanism was my thought was I'm like I wonder if if there was an explosion in the distance if you were in space you wouldn't hear it but if you were in something a little distant away that had air in it that the sound would eventually reach you Oh, I think it would just disper- it would just be yeah. dispersed over the it did, that's vacuum what I was saying, space. If, there, if it needs air to travel through, yeah. then it would just not travel through space yep. at all. <laughs> it wouldn't even reach you. That's why the the atmosphere Earth is contained because <laughs> of gravity. Cool. You know, if you escape it, to therefore be in space, it's yeah. weird. Side. Yeah, physics side yeah just sidebar yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's the lens that I come with through this is looking at it through the engineering slash <laughs> scientific lens of these things <laughs> um, any other things like character wise prior to getting to oh, the space so yeah character they did that was what I liked most about the movie they did Besides, so there's only one critique I have, and I don't even like using that word. Sure Christopher and Jonathan Nolan comment, maybe comment. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I feel like critiquing yeah. them. I'm a little out of my depth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's why I'm like, it's not the yes, word Mr. I like to I use. Yes, successful director over yeah, here. <laughs> but it's just one thing I noticed that I'm like, that, in my opinion, I feel like I could have went deeper into. Um, but just hold that thought. Let me go backwards a little bit. So I like how they did the growth, especially of Cooper. And, um, what's her name? Murph. 
The daughter. Yeah. Yes. So they showed like very important pieces of their character and their habits and things early on. Yeah. That makes complete sense towards the end. Oh yeah, like the quirks. Like they lay down mm-hmm. these not like plot holes, but like yeah, little nuances that you wouldn't catch. Yeah. Or that help flesh out the character interactions right. better. So like the whole beginning is really showing how much he cares for his kids and like almost <laughs> almost just his daughter. Like you you really don't see the son much <laughs> yeah. in the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when he leaves he's like take care of the house <laughs> but he has this whole like emotional bit with his daughter so it's almost like yeah fuck you son I love my daughter <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the well, you know I mean, like, it's it's funny too it's cause like she's that you know she has that spark of cre- like interest and creativity when it comes to like space and right. engineering yeah. where she doesn't fit in the world like yeah. just like Cooper doesn't fit that's yeah, so you. the point I was gonna make is that I think they did that to show how similar they are, and that's why they're so close. Yeah. Because they're similar in mindset, and then in school, the teacher said, oh, your son's gonna be a farmer because he didn't score well. So they kind of say his son, they kind of tell you right there that there's a difference. Yeah. Between the- and then you, they do a really good job of drifting that further yeah. toward the end. Mm-hmm. And Joe, you'll have a good comment later on when they do, like, the video log stuff. Yeah. That whole... So I saw... I really, they played some archetypal stuff there, which, I mean, you can't avoid. Yeah, right, I mean, that's going to happen anyway. Right, so in any story, that's worth its salt, I think. It was, I thought it was really <laughs> interesting to me, because it, I think Coop plays the father archetype, like, hard. Mm-hmm. And that he, like, so even to, like, the religious level of the father. Really? Because they're, when they send their, their recordings to him, it's as if he's dead, or they make some assumptions that he's dead, or right. abandoned, whatever. And they start asking. Wait, it questions. changes too. You like you get this development arc of like because he's gone for twenty something years. Yeah, it keeps on going and going. And you know they they have like these things like you know it's more of like a diary esque right where they're like, oh hey dad, you know this has happened in my life. I'm happy to tell you whatever these things. And then it shifts to more of like, well, you know it's been a while. You know life gets in the way. Kind yeah, of. well <laughs> it, it turns to the point where they're basically <clears throat> like prayers. Where they start asking oh. questions that you would expect a religious person to ask, ask God in the situation that they're in. They're asking like, "Why have you abandoned us?" Right. Like, I didn't even catch that. Like things like, like that. You know, like what's, like how, why would you leave us here to die and all this kind of stuff? Like that you expect a religious person to, if the world was falling apart in the way yeah. it is in the story, would ask of God. But they end up <laughs> asking their father, just like the father, in the story. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't notice that. But I guess it kind of makes sense, too, in their situation, where it's like, my dad left to go save the world, like, as they get older, it's mm-hmm. kind of, like, interpreted by... Well, I mean, that's what the father archetype is. Society. Is, is, it's, it, <laughs> it's always that question of the cult, because the father, archetypally, Jungianly, is the bearer of culture, like the person that hands the culture down to you for you to pass forward. Ah. So there's always those questions asking that archetypal figure... Of Spooky. what the fuck have you done to leave us here? Like, right. what if, what kind of a mess have you left us with? And that's that is the same question that gets asked of every every single generation asks that of the previous generation. Like, you fucked up. Why yeah. Did you <laughs> this problem. Like every generation. Yeah, has I mean, to that, ask that that's question. a really good question in general. Just, so they ask those same <laughs> questions of Coop. As like a story. yeah, as symbology. Uh, so I think he was representing the father. Yeah. The culture. That thing, he's also like a heroic spirit too. Yeah. But it's kind of a weird, it's like, and it's weird too because the time play allows you to watch 
he's the heroic figure of the past. In, Whoa. In the story. Yeah. See, I think his growth, I think he's a character that comes full, full circle. So maybe he began that way, but then with everything going on, he kind of lost the, the heroic side of him, and it was only like a care. His heroic side was only out of care for his kids. So outside of that, he didn't give a shit about And he anyone. grows out of that. Yeah, when he realizes it's already been so long, and I think he hits the point where, like, I've already lost it. Yeah. Well, it's like, like he's he like, can never get the time well, back. It's like, so. he, yeah, he transcended his own time period because of the yeah. weird time stuff that happens. He stops being selfish because he yeah. wants to spend that time with his, his kids. Yeah, right. And that he finally outgrows that and gets to a point where he can go, <clears throat> it's not about me anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, because like, toward the, the end of the movie, is not him like, you know, riding off into the sunset. Instead, it's like, oh God, my job's not done. You yeah, know, because he left someone behind and he's like, I need to go make sure that, you know, yeah. plan B is actually plan B. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why in a character <clears throat> development, like, the first, like, thing that bothered me when I first saw it was the fact that the reunion with his daughter was kind of, like, okay. Short-lived? Yeah, short-lived. But it makes sense from his character development point because he's at this point where he's kind of almost mourned the death of that relationship already. He's, like, yeah, understands Because he saw it on a video of, like, you know... And he knows it's dead. Yeah. You know yeah. more, I mean? so, more so her... <clears throat> You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, they hadn't spoke to him in what at that point it had been like fifty years, something like fifty something years, something like that. The, the time, so the time dilation stuff that happens is re- like they say one of it is like twenty three years, and then there's some other stuff that you really don't know what happens, other than like just judging age of the yeah. things they say. Like the minor stuff is like, oh, we might be at the same age when we meet again, like yeah. that comment, and but then it kind of, like it kind of was around that. Like, they really were around this ish, the same age. Yeah. When they did meet again. Yeah, if he would have kept aging, yeah. Right, yeah, because um, technically, like, maybe biologically he's not the same age, but in total time, they're the same age. Yeah. So, yeah. it's really weird. It was, I think, yeah, there's some mention it, but I think on. it was something around, like, 80 years that he was gone. So, they already came to grips that he was probably dead. So, when he comes back, I like how it wasn't... Um, like, trying to re, like, capture him into the... Yeah, it just felt right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like like it was a surprise, like, holy crap. Well, like, it's like he... saying you're, like, you know... It's like being, like, one of our great-grandparents mm-hmm. showed up one day at our door, and we're like, hey, guys. Like, yeah. who the fuck are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm back, right? <laughs> so World War One was fun. Yeah, like, they, they would have no way to, like, you know, contextualize, because especially, like, in Coop's way, like, he comes back, and they're like, hey... We made you this, you know, replica of your old ha- old farm, and he's like, "What the f- like? What? Yeah. Like, can you imagine like coming home like your your house is now a museum to you? Yeah, right. Like that'd be so fucking jarring. Like the last thing I would want is be like part of that and be like, you know, you'd be you're like an antique just like your house. Yeah. At that point. And to him, <laughs> and to him, he just left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he slept for the first seven years. Yeah. Then the twenty three years was only three hours. Right. You know what I mean? And then so whatever like, was inside the black hole was yeah. minutes. So in his, like, <laughs> conscience, he wasn't gone. <laughs> yeah, you don't know how long he was on that icy planet or how long they were there. But it, They said it was it, a 0.8 Earth gravity. So it's less than Earth gravity, so it's about roughly our time. Right, but that, yeah, but I just mean how... Oh, many, like, the yeah, actual many time actual, period? Like, days. Yeah. yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's whatever. Yeah. But, like, he wasn't gone. It wasn't, like, in his head he felt like he was gone for some years and came back and expected things to be different. In his head, he was like, I basically just left. Yeah. And so he comes back and the <laughs> freaking planet is... They have, like, yeah, a, they have Saturn's... Yeah, yeah, they have, like, a moon base around Saturn... Yeah. Or a space station around Saturn now. And yeah, there's so he's like, space fleets and shit. Like, 
yeah. your whole world is just what? Yeah, like imagine you going <laughs> like going to Michigan for like you know what I mean. You come back next summer, and we're all CEOs or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and your house is a museum, and I'm yes. young. <laughs> and you're all old as fuck. I'd be like. I must have driven the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> so if you drive in the wrong direction, you'll like, hit just, a time warp. That's right. If I get off on 69 instead of taking 94 the whole way, I hit the fucking space-time continuum. <laughs> I remember back in my day, going, what the hell? <laughs> what the f- <laughs> I am never doing this again. <laughs> You're like, what did I drink? What was in the water in Michigan? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Flint. <laughs> um, God, that's so good. <laughs> but it's a re- honestly a really good way to think about it. Yeah, it's just in his head. He's just like, it's just the whole relativity thing. So like in his relative sense, he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's only been like, gone maybe a couple yeah, years total. To them, he's like a ghost, which mm-hmm. might be a metaphor to the ghost at the beginning. Who knows? But anyway, kind of is um, right. So the comment I was going to make, and I like that word a lot better. So the comment I was going to make was how the brother kind of goes through his, like, his growth is negative. So he goes through, like, this, like, like antagonist form. Yeah, well, he, like, he, like, solidifies, like, goes... Instead of having, like, that open-minded kind of, like, concept that Murph has, he becomes, like, hardwired into the current culture of, like, this is, you know, a narrowed worldview, I guess, yeah. is the best way of explaining it. He doesn't adapt. Yeah, right. but all. the but the fact that even so he lost his first baby right to you whatever. Explain that too. Yeah, so, that was a really cool detail yeah. that I. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that until <laughs> you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there was a scene. My favorite scene in the movie is when Coop realizes he missed almost thirty years of his kid's life. So he sits to watch all the video logs, and I think that's a big time dilation there. I think the videos he's watching are a lot longer than that show. So I think he literally watches. Like several years. I mean, oh, he has to. Yeah, years, but yeah he's watching several years. We don't know how many videos worth. they actually send him. Yeah, so there's a lot more. And so, like, you can see it because he starts, like, crying a lot. And the next time you show him, he's, like, kind of sitting. Like, his movements are different. He's, like, calmer. So it's probably, like, several hours that he's sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. at least what I thought. So, in one part, one of the videos that his son sends, he's holding up a baby. He's like, oh, look at a baby. And I think his name is Jesse or something. Yeah. Um, and then the very next video his son sends, he's talking to Coop and he goes... He looks very like, depressed. Yeah, he, like, looks sad. he looks sad, but, like, not emotional. He's like, like, almost, like he's holding himself together is the way I thought it. Oh, I thought he looked, like, like empty. Like, yeah, he, yeah, that's what I meant. So like, sad that like, just, just like, depressed. Like, he just finally... Like, yeah. He's just done. Like, he's yeah. like hollow. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there you go. Hollow is Yeah, really kind of going on autopilot. Um, but he mentions... He's talking about something and then he mentions, you know, with, what happened with Jesse and all and, like, looks down... And then looks back up and keeps talking. And you don't really catch that because I only sold a baby for one second. And then they say that part for one second. But at that point, you realize his baby died with everything going on. Mm-hmm. Right? So then fast forward later in the movie, he has another kid there. So if you miss that part, it, it's easy to think that when you saw the baby but you don't hear the next thing, that that's the same kid. So that's a mm-hmm. different kid. Um, and what I noticed and I thought was strange was even in his, like staticness yeah right of like this is just how the world is yeah i'm just a farmer kind yeah. of thing whoever the doctor was who played eric foreman in that 70s show if no one noticed but i forget his name in real life but um oh i know yeah i know who you're talking about yeah he eddie brock and spider-man yeah sure. oh wow but um <laughs> what so he's like <clears throat> murph's familiar. friend or i don't know i don't know their relation but he's like a doctor apparently so he goes in he works for nasa or something yeah something uh, yeah whatever his story <clears throat> is was completely irrelevant all he really served to do was kind of aid the brother it seemed like and that 
kind of part of the film. So what he, he was does, give like a dynamic, yeah. you know, create a. So he notices the the brother's wife coughing, and he asks her, "How long have you had this cough?" And she goes, "Oh, a while." So then they kind of do a cut. Murph's coming downstairs, or the kid comes downstairs, and Eric Foreman, the doctor, looks at the kid and goes, "Hey, can you sit down for a second? To like look at his cough, right? Yeah, like listen to his lungs, yeah. basically. He goes up to Murph and is like, they need to leave here now, they're going to die. So when the brother comes in and they tell him that, and he punches the doctor, mm-hmm. I'm like, where that was kind of a, what, it's called a jump, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it was kind of like, at what point did he say he doesn't care about his family, like, well-being? Like, what, mm-hmm. it, to me, I don't get, it didn't completely make sense, um why he was so bent on staying there now that's what i initially thought when i looked into it further there are parts that i think they play into but maybe in like the original screenplay there was a lot more about that specific part but they had to trim the fat a little bit Mm -hmm. so what i think there's little parts so when coop says you're the man in the house i think that part where he doesn't want to leave is his last piece holding on to his father because he's so empty and has nothing else to hold on to so he's like, I'm going to be the authority in this house yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, like, well, that, and I think he's like, I'm not going to abandon the house because that's the last piece of my father I have. Uh, you know what I mean? And that was the last one. And wish. his dead kid. And the grandpa's and there, he, too. He yeah. says at some point, he's like, Grandpa and Jesse are buried out back. And that's one of the excuses he gives for not wanting to leave. Right. Um, yeah. So I just thought, I, I wish there was just more, like on the brother yeah to make that part I like, thought it was hold. interesting too is they had like this weird juxtaposition coming on where it's like sister or the daughter and the brother kind of having their battle at the same time and then it's Coop and the rest of the flight crew mm-hmm. with like three main characters being the main focal point on each side of it yeah. so you get this like cut between the two yeah. stories happening at the same time mm-hmm. that are like in parallel almost yeah. It shows how similar they are. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> they're going through their own high conflict, and they both have to figure out... They both have to resolve their the climax that's happening to both of them. Right, and then it comes to together come, again. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. And then the... As a kind of to recap what you were saying with the conversations uh, with the video logs, if you guys are really interested in how the script versus those played out, uh, there's a YouTube channel, right? It's called Script to it's Screen. Its own, it's its own website. Oh, but it's a it has website a YouTube too? channel, but it's its own. So Script thing. to Screen, right? Is that the right yeah. name? Yeah. So if you, we'll we'll link it here for this episode because that's honestly how we got started in this rabbit hole or of. What was it? Le- Lessons from the screenplay. You showed me that one, right? Well, there's multiple different. That's ones. one. That's a YouTube channel, and I forget the guy's name, but that's a and I subscribe to that channel. It's really great. Lessons from the screenplay, and I don't remember if he did Interstellar. Interstellar, I. Because I know Script to Screen did yeah. Interstellar for sure. There's a handful. There's like that. So what we'll do is we'll find the ones that we think are worth yeah, linking. I can and we'll, send you Yeah, just send me all the lists of links to put in there. Because I think those are really helpful to get more interpretation. Because like the yeah. one that you had shared with the Script to Screen was like crazy. Yeah. To see the... to see Because what these videos do is they put the actual screenplay underneath. And then the actual video of how the actor director interpreted the screenplay right. at the same time yes. so you get this bolt like the double interpretation yeah. of how it looks on words and then how the actor interprets it and makes oh, the emotion up. real yeah and yes. really cool so there's <laughs> no commentary when they do that it's just it just shows you the side by side almost so it's really cool to kind of see how it yeah it lets you out. learn how to do screenplay or screenwriting yeah. and uh see how actors interpret said things yeah 
And so with Christopher Nolan's sake, I know he directs his movies too. So he his screenplays are different than probably just screenwriters who like only write the screenplay, but then a director takes it mm. and then adapts it. You know what I mean? He yeah. is on both sides. So because normally, because well, too like the directors can call for edits on the fly and stuff yeah. and do. I think it would be called red lines, even, mm-hmm. uh, where they are adapting things with the actors themselves to change things on the fly to make yeah. things flow better or whatever, yeah. come off the right way. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I do want to mention, too, is they had some really cool sound cues. I remember mentioning one. I forget exactly where it happened, but it was like it was like a rising action where it was like the music was like there, and then all of a sudden it just... Stops. Just cut. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, he... He does a great job with sound, as uh, Dunkirk will go to show, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, which is uh, one of the next movies he did. Um, but yeah, it was almost like the lack of sound was just as mm-hmm. important as like if someone wants to be like all crazy over the top with the sound. But this one, it was like, you know, they're telling Matt Damon's character like, "Don't, don't open the door," or whatever he's doing. Yeah, right. And then like yeah. <laughs> the explosion happens, and right. you expect it to be like, poof, like grand. Right. And it's just, it, it's like the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. they, like, kill everything. I thought it makes sense for, like, the feeling of the character in that moment, too, because mm-hmm. you're just, like... It's, yeah. They don't have this great, massive, energetic thing. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. It's, the gravity like, stunned of these, silence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is what it's yeah. like. And then just, like, the... Kind of backing up. So they find Dr. Man is the character's name, which is Matt Damon's character. Um, and so he's the... He, they, they, they're building up this whole thing because his crew and team went on this mission through the wormhole to the 12 planets that they had thought could be candidates to re- recolonize. Right. Um, and I forget her name. The girl. Dr. Brand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was, like, giving the backstory to Coop, like, who are these people, blah, 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 so he kind of can get a feel for the team. And he's like, well, Dr. Man was the leader, and he's the one who's the best of all of us. And kind of laying out the psychological framework of what it's like to be the you know an explorer, so to speak, and so then they they're having a dilemma after they go to the water planet to be like, well, we don't have enough fuel to go to one more planet before we either go back or we get stranded, basically. Yeah. Um, and so the dilemma is then, you know, they said that they weren't supposed to have um, personal connections with anybody. But Dr. Brand lied in the beginning because she was... Personally connected to the guy on Edmund, that... I think his last name was. Yeah. And then, so there was either go to that planet or go to Dr. Man's planet. And Dr. Man had sent a signal to say... His was the best, best planet would work. Yeah, his yeah. Was, was viable, basically. Yeah. Cause, so th- this is a psychological th- failure, I think. Is they All they had, they had a button that was pre-programmed that said, if they hit that button, it would send a signal and say... Like, green light, basically. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's a really slippery slope. Because if you're alone in space... Well, the, for the exact reason yeah. that <laughs> yeah. they have a problem, yeah. which is that Dr. I know. lies, <laughs> yeah. says that his plan's good just to, to save his own ass. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's funny like to think about that, right? Because the human nature gets the best of us, like the, the, the hard-coded survival and not to be alone. Yeah. And... I found that super interesting to be like, it sounds good on paper, right? Like, if you're designing this mission and be like, oh, yeah, if we just put a button and the, if we get the good data back, they'll just hit that button and we'll have everybody, you know, we'll send the cavalry in to get this, you know, recovery mission started or whatever, or the yeah. plan B started. 
and I'm like, that sounds good, but then, then you, you know, implementation is easier said than done, right? <laughs> and then she also mentioned, too, when she was, is like, the, you know, it's, nature isn't evil, it's what we bring with us that makes things I forget the exact Which I, Right, yeah. It, yeah. It, the, 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 it's not that nature itself is evil. Nature is tragic. But that what evil is is something that comes with humanity, mm-hmm. which ends up being true later on when Dr. Man is the only... Like, there's all these horrific things that they go up against in nature, but what Dr. Man does is evil, right? Yeah, right. Selfishness. And tries to murder and Coop. He definitely goes. He's he definitely what is seeming is some sort of insane, desperate. I think it's like yeah, complete desperation. Yeah, and it. nothing else matters besides <clears throat> yeah. an alleviation of that desperation. Because to him, he died. Did you catch that part where he put himself to sleep with no? Oh like, yeah, he setting. didn't have a wake up time so, or anything yeah, like that. He was like, I don't know if they'll ever come. So he kind of, in essence, killed himself. Yeah. So when they showed up, he or he relegated himself he's like, to oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm actually not dead. Yeah. So this dude's mindset was huh. like, it was I almost I almost he- hesitate to say it's evil. I would say it's just nature. Like he was so desperate, he was like fight or flight, and he was like, this is my yeah ultimate survival you know I mean? mode. <laughs> Which yeah, it's evil the action, but mm-hmm. like in his head, he was like, there is I have nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, it's funny too. It's he's crazy. like he's like I was gonna stay here with you while you died, but I can't do it. I can't look at you yeah. like. And he's like, just listen to my voice. It'll yeah. be, it'll be okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, it gets pretty deep, and it's like interesting too that nobody actually killed him. He killed himself out of his own desperation. Yeah, put himself <laughs> to sleep without a time to wake up. Yeah. The, well, that and then like the, because he didn't have the perfect airlock oh, part. It's that his desperation is the thing that ends up killing him. Yeah, it's a ironic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else? I think that's good enough. I think we could talk about like symbolism and a couple of the things that they <laughs> they allude to a few different things they allude to the movie or the book Heart of Darkness. But if people are interested, we could definitely do a round two for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Or another movie if you want to suggest one. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely, definitely open to suggestions. We were trying to figure out one that was relevant but not spoilery stuff. At least over the top. And cool. Yeah, because Dante actually texted me yesterday about the, when I had the Stan Lee episode of the podcast, we were talking about Marvel in general, Mm -hmm. and he was like, Wenzel, goddammit, you're spoiling Spider-Verse for me. I was like, Mm. that, I didn't, I didn't. The movie, that podcast recorded three weeks before that movie even came out. It's just, it's so similar to the comic books. And I know so much about it that he's right, like, you geez. son of a bitch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah, I, we have to be a little mindful about people. Well, we should just warn them every time I listen to your probably yeah. yeah. Well, I just didn't, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Like, I didn't make the connection because we recorded it three weeks before the yeah. movie even released. But, happens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, La- it was interesting. Last thing I'll say before we cut off, I think the premise, the point of the movie was Murphy's Law. Oh, yeah, they said it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we can just put, like, a description there, of what just, it is at the end. Leave it as a spoiler. If you yeah. want us to talk about it again, we'll keep going. We'll start off on that. Yeah, I would definitely love to talk about that because Murphy Laws gets quite interesting. Yeah. All right. See you, everybody. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, Go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.